0: You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Uh, Philippians chapter number two is where our text is going to be. Um, But uh, I want to just uh, preach on this thought this morning the truth about being a Christian. The truth about being a Christian. Um, The Bible says in Acts chapter 11, verse 26, the Bible says, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. So the word Christians does come right out of the Bible in the book of Acts chapter number 11. In fact, that's the only time we find the word in the Bible. They were called Christians first at Antioch. And so the truth about being a Christian, I'm going to ask you a very important question right now, and that's this. Are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? Now, it's not a trick question really, Um, but I will say this, uh, there's a lot of misunderstanding about it. I mean, have you ever thought about what it really means to be a Christian? The word is so overused and so often applied that it's really lost its true meaning. Uh, you know, we hear the word Christian oftentimes in a historical context. We'll hear about the Christians that killed the Muslims during the Crusades. Uh, they may have gone by the name of Christians, but were those really Christians in the biblical sense? Because I would, what I dare to say is that there's a worldly idea of what what a Christian is. Then there's a biblical idea of what it is, and it's more important to be in line with the Bible model of Christianity uh, because there was there's never been an instance of true Christians out killing anybody, uh, as far as as a uh, you know as, as a people as a, as a religion, if you will. Because uh, true Christianity is not about a religion. Now, uh, since Christianity has lost its meaning so much, um, sometimes we add uh, an adjective to Christian. And uh, I was asking the kids on the way to church, I was like, is this an adjective or an adjective? These are adjectives, right? And then we got in confused on this conversation over here. But anyway, uh, these adjectives that are often added to Christian, like how about this one? Have you ever known someone and you say, boy, they are a real Christian? You know, as if there's Christians, but this guy's a real Christian, or this lady's a real Christian. And some may even say about grandma or something, boy, she was a real Christian. Um, but I would submit to you that all Christians are real Christians, if you are indeed a Christian in the biblical sense of the word. Uh, some, here's another one that's sometimes added, uh, because, and this is oftentimes added, sometimes in a derogatory way, uh, this first caught my attention, I guess, in the early early years of my salvation and my walk with the Lord. And I remember learning, did you know that most politicians are Christians? I mean, I, I, I kid you not, the, 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 those politicians right now that are fighting the hardest... Uh, for the murder of babies and those that are anti-Israel, anti-God and Bible in schools, uh, uh, pro putting restrictions on churches and pastors and preachers, they're Christians in good standing with their church. And I, I've got to do a lot of quotes here. I got to do some serious air quotes. I had a sixth grade teacher, Miss Henson. She'd wear those air quotes out, you know. But there's a lot of air quotes going on right here. All right. These are Christians that are part of a church uh, and, and, and so forth in good standing. You say... Uh, are you judging? Well, the Bible says by their fruits, you shall know them. Amen. And, uh, and the point that I'm trying to make is that just because someone attends, because it's, it's a common misunderstanding because I move from the politicians that we don't know back down to ourselves and perhaps people that we know and care about, because many of them really just think because they belong to some church. That they are Christians. Some earthly religious organization that identifies with Christ, that they are Christians. Does that make a person a Christian? That's a legitimate question. Does being a part of a church make someone a Christian? Does being baptized make someone a, make them a Christian? Uh, does going through a class does completely does successfully completing a class make someone a Christian? Is that what a Christian is and what I would like to try to explain from the Word of God is what it is and what it's, what it isn 't so there 's one thing to be a nominal Christian, which just simply means to carry the name christian that 's one thing but uh, there's but I believe that there 's many quote-unquote, or nominal Christians that carry that name Christian and that would identify as Christian, that if they would be honest, they're missing something on the inside. See, religion can help you check a lot of boxes off on the outside. But there's still something missing on the inside. Because what I'm going to tell you right now is this: that biblical Christianity is not about the externals. Biblical Christianity is about what happens on the inside. It's about the internals. I'll say this: uh, it's it's not about uh, being a Christian. Does it's not about what you acknowledge intellectually? Now, there is some beliefs, obviously, that we have things that we believe, but it's not just an acknowledgement intellectually. But listen to this, it's what you experience internally. And I say experience because it's about knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. I I love that old song, Do You Know My Jesus? Amen. I love the fact that Jesus is someone you can know personally. Now, in the true sense of a word, uh, you know, and and, uh, there's those that are are aware of this. When they were called Christians, you should be aware of this. It's kind of interesting. They were not being complimented. They're in Antioch. Literally, the the, the, the believers of that day, the people that had put their faith and trust in Christ, they were not asked, well, what would you like to be called? And they said, well, we'd like to be called Christians. That wasn't the case. Uh, Their enemies, those that were mocking them, looked at them and said, look at those Christians. And it's interesting, through the years, even all the way up to the name Baptist, that a lot of the the names that churches have uh, borne have been given in mockery. Including Baptist, but, but Christian was the same way. Uh, they were called Christians. Why were they called Christians? Because these people were living lives that the community around them, although they said it mockingly, had to admit, they said these people are going around acting like little Christ. These people are Christ imitators. Their lives are demonstrating the qualities uh, of Christ. And so in the true sense of the word, and so uh, if you bring that into what's a Christian, it gets narrowed down even further, doesn't it? Uh, about, uh, about that part. But I want to talk about what we think about when we think of the word Christian. And that is a person that knows the Lord as their Savior. I would like to use that uh, as far as what we understand Christian to represent. Biblically speaking, it is knowing Christ. Again, internally. The Bible says uh, that with, uh, with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. It's not just acknowledging, yeah, I believe there's a God. I'll ask you this. How, I wonder how many in here this morning, you felt like you were a Christian before you actually accepted Christ and found out what it really meant to be a Christian. How many of you were that way? Can I see a show of hands? How many of you are that way? Quite a few that thought, I mean, there's so many that thought, well, I was born a Christian, right? That's often said. I was born a Christian. Now, there's nothing wrong with that if you mean it in the sense, some people say that and they're trying to say I was born and raised in a Christian family and a Christian home. That's understandable. But in the true sense and in the, in the literalness of that statement, no one is born a Christian. The Bible says that all have come, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible actually goes as far as to say that we come into this world speaking lies. Amen. I love hearing the babies cry in church, don't you? I love hearing the babies. And I love hearing the kids and everything. And, uh, but did you know that babies learn to they learn to lie at a very early age? They learn to cry and scream and carry on. That, listen, that's something God gives them so we can know hey, I'm hungry. I need changed. I need help. But what they soon identify very early on is, you know what, I'm not really hungry. And I don't really need changed. But it's been a while since I've got some attention, so... Ah! Right? That little booger's not being honest. Uh, I mean, truthfully. So that's what the Bible actually says, that we come forth from our mother's womb speaking lies. Why? Because we are not born good and go bad. We are all born sinners. Everyone is born sinners, the Bible says. Um, and so, uh, but so what is it? Well, the, the truth about being a Christian, I want to try to give you uh, very quickly this morning. In... Philippians chapter 2, which is where I told you to turn initially, verses 1 through uh, 11 uh, talk about the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it tells those who have put their faith and trust in Christ, which I'll reiterate in just a moment, for those that have put their faith and trust in Christ... The example that we should be following of the Lord Jesus Christ. It gives us that example. And by the way, for those that will indulge me from Wednesday night, this is a continuation of me trying to finish a thought that I started on Wednesday night. But Jesus has been presented as our great example. We can read it. We agree with it. But how do we go about living a a life that follows the example of the Lord Jesus Christ? And The big point about the truth about being a Christian is this. It takes more than an example on the outside. It takes power on the inside. It takes more than restraint or constraint on the outside. It takes more than rules. It takes a relationship. And at the risk of getting ahead of myself, one thing I'll tell you about the truth about Christianity is that one of the reasons so often that churches and religions enact so many outward rules and standards, and there's people that really kind of get the idea, the more the better. We've got to be a good church. We've got to be the real church because we've got more rules than anybody, some would. That's almost the attitude of some people. But you know why that is? It's because there is not an internal power and presence there that can be trusted to guide these people through their lives. And so we've got to be given this strict regimen. Because we don't have that p- p- power and presence on the inside. And, and that, and that kind of leads me to the number one thing, I suppose, about the truth about being a Christian. And uh, let's look here, if you would, in uh, verse number 13 of this chapter. The Bible says, For it is God... Well, actually, let's go back to verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Now we're getting to... Uh, where I want to emphasize here, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. So what these verses are simply saying is this, that God has worked something into your life. And it's up to us to work out that which He's worked into our life. These verses do not say work for your salvation. He's addressing people who have put their faith and trust in Christ. And as we would understand, it would be Christians. But what he's saying is, you need to work out that which God is putting in. But notice what he says there in verse number 13. For it is God which worketh, what's those next two words? In you. you. So the first thing I want to say about the truth about being a Christian, number one, is it's about the divine person. Do you know my Jesus? Amen. It's already been stated this morning. It's about knowing Christ. It's not not about knowing a creed or some guy named creed. It's about knowing a man named Jesus Christ. Amen. It's a personal relationship. Uh, So it's not a creed. It's not rules. It's not religion. It's a relationship. I trusted the Lord Jesus Christ uh, back uh, so many years ago. Uh, why? Because it's in a person. See, the Bible says it's God which worketh in you. Philippians 2.13 uh, tells us that. See, the christian what it means to be a Christian, it's not so much about by imitation, but it's about incarnation. The Bible says in Galatians 2.20 that Christ liveth in me. Christ liveth in me. So what it means to be a Christian is there come a, a, a place and a time in my life where I realize my need for Christ. Amen. Yeah. Now, if, I believe many people were like me uh, in, in, in some basic ways. There's one thing I'll say is this, that I did. I wasn't raised in church. So I didn't have a real church background or anything like that. But uh, still my family had, uh, we we always had a Bible on the table. I mean, uh, and and I had people in my family that were religious. and, uh, And so I knew about Christ. I knew about the birth of Christ. I knew about the death and the resurrection of Christ. And, you know, I saw pictures on certain family members and friends' walls. And so I was acquainted with that. And I think at some point in my life I was introduced to the now I lay me down to sleep prayer. Right. And so uh, when I was younger, I would say that prayer as I began to uh, get older, man. And listen, I was making some terrible decisions as a as a very young person. And as I began to get a little bit older and started getting involved in some drugs and alcohol and different things like that, and I would get in trouble or I would get myself in a real bad mess, I would really pray then. Lord, if you ever get me out of this, I'll never do this again. Until the next time, then I prayed again, Lord, if you ever get me out of this, I'll never get involved in this again. Uh, But see, so I I believed in God. And I suppose if you'd have asked me, are you a Christian? I I suppose I would have said yes, because I thought I was a pretty good guy. I I believed in God. I believed what I had heard about God. Um, And even though I wasn't living a great life, I was a pretty nice kid. Uh, I would do things for my neighbors. I would, uh, you know, I mean, not including stealing, but that's that's other neighbors. But 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 the older ladies, I mean, and stuff like that. I would I, I would I would I would rake their yard and mow their lawn for fifty cents, you know. And I mean, I was I was, and I was nice and I tried to be friendly and respectful to people. And I thought, you know what? I thought I thought that that God surely, Zach. God was looking. I believe in Him. I pray to Him sometimes. Uh, and, and surely my good is going to outweigh my bad. That's what I thought. So, what was I doing? So, when you, so my faith was ultimately in me, really. That's right. I mean, I thought, it was, I mean, I said I believed in God, but what are you counting on? Well, I think my good's going to outweigh my bad. Uh, I mean, and, and, and others may say, you know, something on the lines of, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, uh, I believe in God and I belong to this and such and such a church and I was baptized and I've been, listen, I believe in getting baptized. I believe in church. Amen. I believe in learning what the Bible teaches. But those aren't things that make us a Christian. See, the Christ, being a Christian is about a person and. Although I knew about the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is technically the gospel, it wasn't until some things kind of came together. Kind of one plus one equals two. Some things began to add up. And it was when I was able to admit for the first time to truly admit that I was indeed a sinner and to understand that there was a penalty and a price to be paid for my sin. That's death. That's separation from God. That's ultimately hell and the lake of fire. Amen. Now, I want to be very, very clear. I'm going to try to explain this to you as clearly as I can of what it means. But at the same time, not everything that I'm explaining to you that did not have a full grasp on. But I did realize I was a sinner and I needed forgiveness. Alright? And then... Through the word of God, I began to realize, oh, that's why Jesus died. That's why Jesus rose again. It was because of my sin. And he did that. So if I would put my faith and trust, not in the church, not in baptism, not in trying to be good, but if I would put my faith and trust in him. See, the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I called on the name of the Lord. From my heart, I called out to the Lord and He saved my soul. And so from that point on, in the true sense of being a Christian, I've been a Christian in the sense of I've known the Lord as my Savior. What are you saying? I'm saying that it's in a divine person. Uh, The Bible says in Ephesians 3.17 that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That's what it means to be a Christian. Colossians 1.27 To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles which is, listen, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So the first thing I want to say today I remember, I remember Jacob, I, I walked across the street when we lived in Pierre and there was a, a fellow that lived right across the street from the church and I, I'd just gone over there, a really nice guy and I'd invited him to church. Sat down and talked to him and you know, it's a love to have you come to church. Well, I, I belong to another church. I'm like, well, that's fine uh, because I'm really not out to get you out of your church. I was like, but let me ask you this. I said, uh, do, do you know Christ? Do you, do you know, if, if you were to die today, do you know where you'd spend eternity? And he's like, well, heaven, I hope. And I'm like, well, you know, I mean, I hope, I hope you hope that as well. I mean, uh, heaven, I hope. And I was like, okay, well, let me just ask you this question. I said, if you were to die today and you stood before God, and it's not going to go this way exactly, but if you were to die today and stand, and stand at the gate of heaven and the question was asked and proposed to you, why should I let you in? Why should I let you in? I said, what would you say? What would you say? And he thought for a minute. And then he said, I guess I'd say my baptism. And that's what a lot of people would say. I'm not picking on him. I'm saying that's a heartbreaking thing. And I was like, I understand that, but I want you to know this as well. That's the wrong answer. See, my answer would have been before that time, before I knew Christ as my Savior, my answer would have been, well, Lord, I believe in you and I've been a pretty good person. Done a lot of bad, but I've done a lot of good. That's not the right answer. The answer is this. Jesus! I know Christ! In other words, I'm not counting on anything I've done. I'm not counting on anything some other person has done. I'm not counting on my church. I'm not counting on my preacher. I'm not counting on any, any, anyone else. I'm not counting on grandma or grandpa. I'm counting on what Jesus did for me. Amen? And so, uh, so, so, so the divine person... But then I want to say secondly about the truth about being a Christian. There's a divine person involved. It's Christ. It's about a person... Uh, But then the number two, I want to say it's about a definite possession. The Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, if you are indeed a Christian today, it's a pretty awesome thing. Because God, when you're saved by God's grace, the Bible says His presence comes and moves on the inside of you. But He also puts a treasure within you. He puts a treasure within you. The Bible says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That word work right there carries the idea and carried the idea in Paul's day. It would be used for working a mine. Working a mine. Getting getting out of that mine all the valuable uh, possessions and gems and whatever else as possible. Or it would often be used for working a field. Going out in that field and bringing in all the fruit that you can. In other words, God, when you get saved, I'm glad, listen, I'm glad on October 10th, 1992, you don't have to know the date. But I believe you need to remember a time that you put your faith and trust in Christ. But I remember on that that, that time when I put my faith and trust in Christ, I didn't know how good it was going to be. Amen. I really didn't. I didn't know how awesome it was going to be to truly be a Christian, to truly know him as my Savior. Anybody else? I just knew I needed to be forgiven. I just knew I needed to be put in the right relationship with God. Amen. And man, I, t- I you know what? I, you know something? I found throughout the years, I found a lot of treasure. Amen. And I'm still finding it. Yes. Amen. I'm, I'll tell you this right now. I've met people before uh, that hadn't been around me very long that almost acted like they felt sorry for me, Zach, because I was a Christian. Oh, you don't go get to do the things that we do. It's like, dude, I've done the things you do. And if you haven't done the things you can do, you can say, praise God, I'm glad I hadn't done those things. Hallelujah. I, I found something greater. I have found what you're looking for in those things. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Amen. I mean, buddy, you get down to that bottom, bottom of the bottom, guess what it is down there? It's empty. You get down to the bottom of that pill bottle, it's empty. I mean, man, you, 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 burn, you burn that cigarette or that joint up, and I'm telling you, when it's done, it's just all smoke and ashes, and it's gone. You, you go and you exercise religion and you get involved in a church. And I'm telling you, when it's all said and done, yes, maybe just like with drugs and alcohol, religion, I'm telling you, I mean, uh, I, I, don't, I don't agree uh, with Karl Marx on anything pretty much, but I'm telling you there is a truth about uh, religion being like a drug religion, not true Christianity. People seem to be uh, just addicted to it. See, people seem to look at it as something that they're dependent on. But I believe it's the same way that ultimately it is empty. That's why there's so much put into the outward. Both personally and uh, even uh, physically sometimes. And so, a definite possession that when you get saved by God's grace, what it means to be a Christian is that God has put some things on the inside of you. I want to say this, and this holds true to everyone here today, there is great potential within you. Why? Because God made... You. You. He made you as an individual. There's nobody else like you. You know, and somebody said this about trying to be like other people. Quit trying to be like other people. Amen. I mean, there's nobody like you. Just be you. Amen. And somebody says, I want to be like this person. Well, that job's already taken. Amen. They're that person. Let them be that person. You be, see, God, see, God has a treasure. You you are a treasure to God. And I'm telling you, you are an individual that matters to God. And God has an individual purpose for you. And that purpose, number one, is to know your Creator. Know the one who made you. Know the one who loves you. Know the one who died and rose again for you. And if you're saved by God's grace, man, think about that. If you're not saved, that's part of the purpose is for you to know Him. But if you know Him, He's not done with you. Amen? He's got a great plan for your life. And uh, the Bible goes on to talk about our purpose in this world. As Christians, number one, it's about a person, but it's about a possession. But notice what it goes on to say. In Verse number uh, 14, Do all things without murmuring and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation or a nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Praise God, as a Christian, folks, we're supposed to be out and among those of this world holding forth the word of life. Amen. I mean, what wonderful and descriptive terms that the Bible says there. It said that we should be among these people. Amen. And see, what being a Christian really is, when I talked about you being an individual, is it's not about being a cheap imitation. Being a Christian is not about being a cheap imitation of some model that you have of a Christian. Even though it may be a great model. But it's not about imitating that person. It's not even about being a cheap imitation of Christ. Again, I've said it already, but the divine, uh, the, the, the possession that we have, a definite possession, is Christ in us. So He empowers us. And that kind of leads us to this uh, last point, if you will. There's a divine person. There's a definite possession. And then lastly, I want to say there's a dynamic power. See... <laughs> If you look at someone who's truly a Christian and you wonder how they can live that kind of life and what sets that person apart, I want you to know that it's the divine power of God. (laughs) Whatever it is that God's done in my life, it's been His power. Amen? It's not the way I was brought up. It's not the way I've been taught. It's not my willpower. It's not anything else. It is the power of God. And so there's a dynamic power. And I'll read verse 13 of of Philippians again. The Bible says, For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. I want to emphasize this word again. For it is God which worketh. See, God must work in us before He can work through us. And throughout the Bible, we see that with Moses, David, apostles, others. God has a special purpose for each of these people to fulfill. And each of the people that God chose was unique and not an imitation of somebody else. Everybody didn't try to be Abraham. Moses didn't try to be Abraham. Moses was Moses. David was David. Solomon was Solomon. Paul was Paul. Peter was Peter. I mean, listen, God called and saved these individuals for the purpose that He had for their lives. And so, you know, uh, uh, when, when we think about this, see, there's too many Christians... Who try to obey God only because of pressure on the outside. And not power on the inside. I'll say that again in, in other words. What it means to be a Christian. What the, 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 the truth about Christianity is this. True Christianity is not about pressure on the outside. But it's about power on the inside. And many Christians, many true people that know Christ as their savior have truly been relegated to only just keeping some set of rules and checking the boxes and coming to church and you know passing inspection or something and they're all good. That's not what it's about. It's about divine power that's worth and by the way that's that's limiting God. That's limiting what God wants to do. Uh, the, the Bible says about these, uh, about these Christians It started off in verse 12 talking about how that they obeyed not in His presence, but also when He wasn't there. In other words, their life was about a relationship with Christ. They were living a life. They were not playing a part. And you know what turns a lot of people away from Christianity and church in general is people that are playing a part instead of living a life. Playing a part instead of living a life. See, the, the, I emphasize that word worketh. It is God which worketh in you. The power that works in us is the power of the Holy Ghost of God. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me. That's what God wants us to be in this world. Witnesses for Him. Holding forth the word of life among a crooked and perverse nation. But the word, the word worketh there, that God worketh in you, it comes from the word that we use for energy. Energy comes from the word translated worketh. See, it's it's God's divine energy at work in us and through us. Did you realize today that the same Holy Spirit who empowered Christ when He was ministering on earth will empower you and I today? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead according to Ephesians chapter 1 Is the same power that's working, that's that's to be at work in our lives today. That's the truth about Christianity. That's not cheap imitating people, that's not just some following some way or or just some acknowledgement. Folks, this is a change, amen. This is a transformation. This is something real. This is something substantial. This is God's energy. You You ever been around somebody with a lot of energy? Somebody with a lot of energy can just almost wear you out. Man, let me tell you something. God's got a lot of energy. God don't get tired. Yes. Yeah. And it's God's energy that works on the inside of us. And that's why I believe. You know, people talk about burning out and stuff like that. I, I really truly believe with my heart that if I'm letting God's energy work through my heart and life, I'm not going to get wore out spiritually speaking. That's right. Well, because it's not my effort. It's just me letting God work through my life. Amen. Yeah. And I understand, believe me, there's times that we need to come apart lest we come apart and all of that. Don't misunderstand me. But the point I'm trying to make is that God's energy, His energy. The Bible warns us to to recognize that there's energy of the flesh. There's the energy of the world and of the devil that's also at work. But because of the death, resurrection, and ascension of Christ, God's divine energy is available to us. The power is here. But how do we use that power? We use that power through prayer. And there's three tools that God helps, that gives us to help us to utilize the power that God's given us. Uh, I'll give them to you quickly. The Word of God, prayer, and suffering are three of these tools. I want to just give you a little bit more details about the power of God's Word working in our life. The Word of God. I like what the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 2.13 For this cause also we thank God or thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the Word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the Word of men, but as it is in truth, the Word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. See, God's energy, God's strength, God's power is released in our lives through His inspired Word. The Word of God. I mean, the same Word that spoke the universe into being can release divine power into our lives. Amen. Amen. And see, that's one of the reasons around here we encourage people to get in their Bibles. Amen. You know what? I, I, I don't think I've said this in a while, so I'll say it right now. I don't want you to believe a word I'm saying because I'm saying it. That's right. When I get up here and I say the Bible says this, I don't say I'm saying that by God and you best believe it. But Pastor, don't ask me questions. I know better than you. Don't question me. No, 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 no. Question me. Amen. Amen. Get in the Bible. Know the Bible for yourself. Amen. I mean, listen, and understand this, as time goes on, the more that you uh, you, uh, get in the Word, you hear me preach the Word, listen, go check up on it. Write these verses down. Is that really what it means? Is that really what it means? And if I'm doing the job I need to be doing, most of the time, the vast majority of the time, it is going to be what it means. And so you're going to learn to grow a certain level of trust, but at the same time, always, always know it for yourself. But you you want to know something about religion? Religion don't play that way a lot of times, does it? That's right. Don't question. You can't understand it anyway, you little peon brain, you know. I'm the divine, this and that, and only I can understand. I'm glad that's not the case. Amen. I'm glad that when God, I'll tell you when God went looking for the men that He was going to use to build His church on this earth, you know what He did? He went and found some rough and rugged, uneducated fishermen. Amen. Those were, uh, some of the, those were the leaders. Amen. I mean, they were uneducated, uh, rough and tumble men that God said, I'm going to use them because it's not about us. It's about the Word of God. And so a couple things I'll say quickly about the Word of God and how that the Word of God can release this energy, this power into our lives. Number one, we should appreciate the Word of God. Appreciate the Word of God. In other words, recognize its inspiration, its authoritative, its infallibility. Appreciate, thank God for the word of God. Did you know that when George Washington was sworn in as president of the United States, that not only did he swear in upon the Bible, uh, but he also kissed the Bible. He appreciated the Bible uh, as, uh, as the, the early founders did. But uh, appreciate the word. Number two, appropriate the word. In other words, receive the word. This means much more than just listening to it or even just reading and studying it. To receive, to appropriate God's Word means to welcome it and make it a part of our inner being. It's the seed that we plant into our hearts and into our minds and into our lives. It's God's truth. I mean, listen, God's truth is to the spiritual man what food is to the physical man. So we appreciate the Word, we appropriate the Word, but then lastly, we apply the Word. In other words, it only works in those that believe. Amen? When we trust God's Word and act on it, then God's power is released into our lives. God's Word has the power of accomplishment in it. I'll say that again. God's Word has the power of accomplishment in it. He said, Are we still talking about uh, the, the truth about Christianity? Yes, because the point is this it's not what I'm necessarily trying to do in my own effort, it's God's effort, it's God's energy. And the way that I'm going to be able to live a life that's pleasing to Him is through the Word of God working in my life. So, the, God's Word has the power of accomplishment in it, and faith releases that power. I'm going to give you a couple examples of this truth, and then we're going to be done. We see this truth operating in the life of Jesus. I love these stories. There was a man that was crippled. There was a man that for whatever reason had a withered arm, Ralph. And uh, it was a withered arm. He couldn't use it. He he only had the use of one arm. You know what Jesus came up to this man and said? Some of you know, what did He say? Stretch forth thine hand. Now... It would be real easy for him to say, well, Lord, you see, that's kind of the problem. I can't stretch forth my hand. That's that's been my problem my whole life. See, what I'm talking about right now is this. There's a lot of you that have these limitations. There's a lot of you that have these giants. There's a lot of you that have these things in your life to where you say I can't. Right. To where you say I can't. There's a lot of I mean, even for this. But here's what he says Stretch forth thine hand. You know what that man had to do? He had to believe and he had to act. He had, he had to believe and he had to tell his brain. Okay. I can imagine as a little boy, maybe he had tried that before. Oh, just uh, the power of positive thinking. If I believe it hard enough, maybe it'll happen, but it don't happen. But this time it's different because it's not the power of positive thinking. It's power of trusting God's words. Jesus said, stretch forth thine hand. And just like that. Listen, the atrophy was gone. I mean, it was restored. It's just a a brand new arm. Here it is. Jesus said, stretch forth thine hand, he says. I mean, listen, the the crippled man. This happened with the apostles too. But the man that was crippled, his, his legs didn't work. Whether he was paralyzed or whatever happened, and there he was sitting by the temple, begging. Jesus comes and he says to him, Rise up and walk. Rise up and walk. I mean, I hope you can see, I hope you can relate this to your own life in some ways. Because it goes back, even Evan and I, we were having a good conversation yesterday morning, and we were talking about how that we were talking about the challenge of, of, of the Bible telling us to be like Christ. What? Okay. How, how, can you, how, how can I be like Christ? Believe. Amen. And, and it doesn't mean that all of a sudden we're going to be sinless people or anything like that, but we will be sinless people, hopefully. Yeah. See the play on words. Not sinless, but hopefully we'll sin less. Okay. Anyway. Uh, but the, the, the point is this. His Word gives power. Rise up and walk. I can't rise up and walk. But he didn't say that. He believed in faith and acted with the Word of God released this energy into his life. Um, he commanded Peter to walk on the water. You can't walk on water. But if you believe Him, His Word... See, here's the thing. I love this part too, by the way. Dan, God challenges us to be men of faith. Mighty men. Leaders in our home. Amen. Lovers of our wives. Raisers and lovers and protectors of our children. Well, sometimes, brother, it seems like that's a hard job. And I don't know if I can do that. But you know why I know I can? Because God told me to. And if God told me to do it, guess what? He's going to give me the power to do it. He doesn't say, it's up to you. No, it's up to me to act on that faith and say, okay, Lord, I'm putting forth that effort. And as we do that, God gives us the power. Amen. He wants you to be the wife, the woman, the child, the person that He wants you to be. I can never be that. You need to quit believing that. There's a reason that God says that you're you're more than conquerors in Christ. There's a reason that God gives so many affirmations in Scripture. You know why? Because you can never rise above the opinion that you have of yourself. And if you do not have a scriptural true opinion of yourself, you're never going to rise above that. If, you're, if, you know, if you've had somebody tell you you're a loser or you think that way or you're, you're a goof-up, man, I, I kind of struggle with that sometimes. I think I'm a self of a goof-up and say, so you know what? I am sometimes a goof-up, amen? But if I can start saying, you know what? I'm not a total goof-up, amen? I can have some victories and I can have some successes and I can have some consistency that God will bring that to pass in my life. He wrote down these promises for us to lay hold upon. He tells us that we're more than conquerors. He tells us all these things. And so to truly be a Christian starts with a person, but it ends with a promise and a power. Amen. And a possession. Let's all stand if you would, please. And I appreciate your patience this morning. I wonder here this morning are you I'll go back to the very one of the very first questions I asked, and that's this are you a Christian? Now, I understand you may be hesitant if you mean, well, am I Christ-like? I don't know. I'm working on that part. Well, I understand that. But what I really want to ask when I say are you a Christian is this. Are you trusting in something external? Are you trusting in something other than the finished work that Christ did for you? Think about that. Jesus went through great lengths because that's the only way we could be saved. He died for you. The Bible says for God so loved the world, but that literally applied means you personally, individually. He died for you. He carried your sins on the cross. He rose again the third day so that you could be justified. In other words, made right, right in God's eyes and standing. Are you a Christian? I want to say this morning, if you are not a Christian, if you're trusting in your church, you're back to anything else besides Jesus Christ this morning. I'm going to invite you to do something. We don't have to go through a glass, we don't have to go through some long drawn out thing. But you know what the Bible simply says? It says, With the heart, man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And there's a wonderful, wonderful promise in. Romans chapter 10, verse 13, that says this, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let me ask you this this morning. Can you believe in your heart or do you believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sins and rose again the third day? Do you believe that in your heart today? Do you believe that He did that for you? Do you understand today that that's the only way? In other words, don't trust, okay, Jesus, I'll trust in you and I'll trust in the church and my baptism. No, 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 only Christ. Can you put your faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone today? And can you, with me today, simple. How can I become a Christian? Did you know you can become a quick Christian quite simply today? It's wonderful. So simple. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Today, I wonder if it, with every head bowed, every eye closed... If you're here today, maybe you would like to pray this prayer along with me. Dear Jesus, I admit to you today that I am a sinner. But God, I believe that you died for my sins and that you rose again the third day. And I pray you'll forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. I trust in you and you alone, Jesus. Amen. I wonder, with every head bowed, every eye closed, we're going to be dismissed in just a moment. But I wonder, is there anybody today that, that asked the Lord to be their Savior today? Anybody at all? You just show, just, I, I'm the only one looking around, hopefully right now, every head bowed, every eye closed, just anyone, just by uplifted hand to make it public profession. I put my faith and trust in Christ. I called on the Lord today. Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Listen, if you don't know Him today, if you don't know what it means to be a Christian, please do not leave this building without knowing sure that you know Christ. You'll never regret it. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank You so much, dear Lord, for Your faithfulness and goodness. Dear God, I thank You for everyone that made their way out today. And I pray that You'll work in each of our hearts accordingly. I pray if there's anyone here that's not a Christian, that they will be a Christian before this day is over. I pray for those of us that do know You, that are Christians, that You'll help us, God, to let this power work in our lives, dear Lord. Have Your will in Your way, dear Lord, this morning. We'll thank You and we'll praise You. And Lord, I want to go ahead and ask You to bless the food that we're going to be receiving just here in a moment. In Jesus' name.